welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Kanoa. Glad to get together and just be able to talk with you. Yeah. So I met you at my church, Rockport, and you've been there for, what, a few months now? Yeah. Okay. And you're from Hawaii. Yes. Okay. And your friend Adam, who you were there with, he said you uh, just spend a whole lot of time reading the Bible. And I, I think you have a job that kind of permits you to spend more time reading the Bible than what other people might be able to do, right? Yeah. And, um, and then, so you read like a pretty large quantity of the Bible. Like, what did you say your reading plan is like or your program? Um, so right now I moved it back than what I was normally doing. So originally I would um, go through the Bible in a month, the whole Bible in the month, Genesis wow. all the way to Revelation, or just however I wanted to go through it, just the whole thing in a month. Um, but then I, this year, because um, I was like changing jobs and stuff like that, I switched it back to um, I finished now in like two months. Okay. So. And... So when you're reading through the Bible, like as far as genealogies and stuff, you're reading just through everything like that, huh? Yeah, it gets. I what I tell tell everybody um, when I'm first telling people like going through the Bible, um, I always say don't um, don't start cover to cover because the Bible's not written in chronological order. Um, and my first time ever re- picking up the Bible and reading it because I didn't really have any help or any guidance through it, I just picked up the Bible and started reading it. Um, and I started cover to cover, and most of the time I'm sitting there going, I thought this person was already dead, and now he's back here, and now this is happening, so it was, it was kind of confusing. Um, and most people just don't make it through the first five books, because mm-hmm. once you start, because um, I had a buddy of mine who's just now started going through, and he wanted to do cover to cover, and I said, okay, just stick with it and stay focused on it, and don't get um, discouraged by this person was the father of this person who was the father of this person who was the father of this person and, and keeps going on. And then he just finished Leviticus and he was like, he was, well, I learned, I learned how to slaughter a, like an animal a thousand different ways and stuff. So it's like, right. yep, wait till you get the numbers. Right. But, Some parts are kind of tedious. Yeah. So going through there at first, um, it was kind of skimming through. So I was just like, okay, name, Hebrew name, Hebrew name. Don't even know what that means. Um, but after going through it a couple more times, and I think this year, um, I'd have to look, um, at the end of this year, um, I will have finished reading the Bible for the 20th time out of seven years of um, being a Christian, born again. So it's, it becomes easier to where I'm not kind of like wanting to fast forward through um, the first five books when you get to Numbers and, so, and Leviticus. I now have some of Leviticus memorized now, which is weird to say, and Deuteronomy and stuff like that. See, it's actually, I guess I learned to appreciate it more, and then I don't try okay. to fly through it like so fast anymore. Okay, so you're enjoying it yes, more yeah. as you go along? Yeah. Um, are there, um, like when you get to the New Testament, is it like really refreshing and good after, <laughs> after being in the Old Testament for a long time? So, um, at first, yes. Um, so my first time ever reading it, it was just like, 
like eye-opening a big experience because i'm like oh my goodness this is so like um like different and stuff um and that's why i tell people don't you don't try to go cover to cover because uh, learning because both points of the bible genesis and revelation will eventually point back to pretty much jesus's life um and so if you start in jesus like in one of the four gospels um reading then if you go to genesis and start reading forward or or if you go after um it kind of you kind of see things better and makes more sense but yeah i guess when i when i first started going through the to the new testament i was like yes thank you i'm done with that um but now um i don't know it kind of all flows the same for me now hmm. um i don't it's not when i'm in the new testament i'm not like finally it's i because i guess i could see the similarity um, through the whole thing now, so it just becomes easier. Because I guess when you're reading in the Old Testament, you're, you got the New Testament in mind. Yes. And um, the more you memorize, the more it starts making more sense. So it all kind of flows together easily. <laughs> so even in Leviticus, I'll even notice some things because you have like the trifold law, like the cere- ceremonial law, uh, which without that. We wouldn't know um, how Jesus' sacrifice, um, how he had to be perfect. We wouldn't know all that kind of stuff about that. And then um, the moral law and stuff like that. So you'll see it carried through. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I can start seeing things more in the Old Testament. Um, with As much as I have memorized in the New Testament. Uh, so it just makes it... It makes it reading the Old Testament easier now. Because now it's to the point... Because I used to do different um, ones where I'd go, Okay, I'll read a book of the... Because after being through it so many times, um, I was like, okay, well, I'll read it like an old an Old Testament book, then I'll read a New Testament, Old Testament to kind of keep me flowing. Um, but lately, um, especially this year, I just kept doing cover to cover, cover to cover. Because since I already kind of know it, um, almost chronological now, I don't get thrown off. Because um, I just kind of know where everything's supposed to be. Because you got stuff in Psalms, like Psalms 90 was written by Moses, which is back in Exodus, so... <laughs> Right, because I did one time reading through it. I did uh, kind of like a. I looked up and found a like chronological order of it, and so mm-hmm. I did that. Um, but even sometimes, um, if I'm busy working on like house stuff or on the yard or something like that, or even while I'm um, driving in the car like for a long distance, um, I'll end up just putting the Bible on audio too, so I can listen to it. Yeah. So that helps me memorize and become more familiar. So this started for you about seven years ago as far as becoming a Christian. Yeah. So um, you said becoming a born-again Christian. Like, were you a different type before that? Or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I always say that now. Because um, before I was just... Um, it's funny because I run into people who are similar and it just kind of makes me chuckle. Um, that I would say um, I was a Christian to people just to avoid conflict. So somebody was like, comes up to me and I can tell that they were like wanting to preach to me or something like that. And they were like, are you a Christian? I'm like, yes. And I'd even tell them that I went to like an old church that they used to go to. And I'd be like, yes, I go to this church. Hmm. And then I love Jesus. But, um, then, um, and I, I guess I really started doing that when I was, um, I guess 15 through uh, whatever certain years, like I, uh, maybe near 20, I would do stuff like that. Um, 
I would, that's when I really started trying to avoid it um, and tell people that I am just to, you know, leave me alone. Um, and then at the age of 20, um, just one day at work, a realization of uh, who God is and where I stood in that point um, was a scary thought and a realization of my own sin that I'm not perfect and that I'm, I'm, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it. Um, and then just another overwhelming feeling of, um, but I'm loved. And then so I was like, I want to know this God. And I didn't really do a lot of reading to you. So the first book um, that I willingly read that what didn't have to involve like school or anything because you got to sign books like that, but like that I wanted to read was actually the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I immediately picked up and, and I, it was just a set of prayers like, God, if this is your word, please help me understand it because I hate reading and I hate, uh, and I'm not the best um, reader. So, because Hawaii, uh, you kind of have two different languages in Hawaii. You have the Hawaiian language, which is like, um, like Aloha Kayaka would be like, good morning. Um, and then the other language that has become more of a common language now um, is called Hawaiian Pigeon. So it's, um, oh, a good one. I'm trying to think of how my dad talks because my dad has, he, we learn more over, and I kind of pick it up. My brother and sister have way better English than I ever will. Um, but it's more of um, talking like this, that, thou. So instead said it. So they don't use th, and now it's gonna start coming back. Um, so they, yeah, so in Hawaii they don't really use ths, so it's like d. Mm-hmm. So instead of this, it's this. And so um, my awesome mom had a struggle with getting me to like for teaching me spelling and grammar and stuff like that. Was she would be like, okay, spell this, and I'm like d i s, and she's like, how are you coming up with that? And then she finally caught on to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even pronouncing it right. So there was a lot of phonics lessons and stuff like that. Um, so what kind of, you know, you, you were at working and there was this like realization about your yeah. own uh, shortcomings and so forth and, and God and his love. Did anything um, bring that about? Like were you listening to anything or hearing about anything or was it just out of the blue? Um, over time I think about it, I think there were some, um, people that were in my life that were trying to speak to me that I just kind of didn't want to hear though. Um, I think both of them were, uh, pastors that, at my job I was a lifeguard and, um, they were both swimming at the pool that I worked at. Mm-hmm. And when you're a lifeguard, you're kind of stuck in one area. So mm-hmm. those pastors knew that I couldn't run, <laughs> which I appreciate I'm doing now. Um. And um, one of them was named Bob, and he was—he used to be in like those world strongest men competition kind of thing. So he's a big dude, um, and he would try and talk to me now and then. I try to avoid him and or joke it off, uh, but he would try to. And then, and actually, and then um, Tim Gray from City on a Hill. Um, he was one of the first people that really kind of struck me, um, and I hated him for it at first, because he said, "Because he said, hey, are you a Christian?" And I, you know, the normal routine. So I said, "Yes, yes, I am." And he goes, "And he goes, okay." So he's like, "So what does that mean?" And I was like, "Oh no," because <laughs> uh, normally people hear that and they just check it. They're just like, "Okay, cool, see you later." Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually stuck with it, and I guess saw through that 
I was just pretending or whatever, and he was just like, so what does that mean? And I was just like, I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> and so he was just really nice and tried to invite me to uh, his church and something like that. And I was like, no. And I was literally, I remember like going to like our break room kind of area, and I was like, I hate that man. <laughs> and then it was pretty much a year later, so then I didn't really see him after that because I got um, transferred like during the summer to a different pool to help them out. Um, and it was literally at this, um, then I was working over at the subdivision pool and there was really nobody there for summer. Cause some summers, I guess nobody really wants to go to the pool. Some summer days, uh, toward the end of the year, like it is, um, now. Um, and there's really nobody there and I was just sitting there and I guess I was just maybe thinking in my own thoughts, but then all of a sudden I just had a realization. And so I'm sitting there sobbing and crying and maybe people did show up. But they saw me, and they were like, the lifeguard's having <laughs> a bad day. Let's come back a different day. And they, like, sneak the kids away. They're like, we'll come back a different day. He's not handling it. Because uh, I was just sitting there weeping uh, and then rejoicing toward the um, end of it. And then I, like I said, I found a Bible that I had. Um, well, first one I picked up was like a King James version of the Bible, and um, coming from what I was just talking about, not really being able to speak, I was just like, no, <laughs> I can't do that. So I ended up like getting an, uh, finding an NIV, um, and that's what I started on, started reading. So when you said you were at work, you were a lifeguard. At yes. Work. So yeah. I was literally right. lifeguard at work. So yeah, and um, so what are some of the dramatic changes in your life? Like you went from not being a reader, um, not interested in the Bible for sure, to like being interested in the Bible. Anything else in your life that was like a, a pretty major change that happened right there with this experience? Yeah. Um, so not wanting to read at all, and then now reading, not wanting to, definitely not wanting to read the Bible. Now I read the Bible all, all the time, um, and I was just I just finished a book the other day now, um, and I'm like halfway through another one that I started today. So it's my parent. My parents always, my, especially my mom. She's like, she's like, there. She says, you can obviously see a miracle happening in Kanoa's life because he's reading, <laughs> and she can never like. I would fight her for reading books. I'd try to get around it as best as I could. Um, but other stuff that changed my life. Oh my, uh, a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of um, sim patterns. Uh, at first, um, didn't go away. Because that's what everybody kind of believes. It's like right when uh, all of a sudden, boom, the spirit kind of gives you this realization that all of a sudden you're like, boom, and now I won't sin anymore. And you kind of, I kind of felt like that going in. I'm like, yes, I'm new. I'm changed. And it's like, God, I'm going to live for you. Um, but it, even though I didn't really know um, what that was going to look like. But then um, certain situations, um, even um, just hanging out with like certain girlfriends of mine. And then... Uh, just starting to feel guilt towards some things. <laughs> so it's like, I can't do this anymore. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because I love Jesus. <laughs> so I just thinking back at it now, it's just making me crack up because I just remember like being sad because it's like, I want to do this sin. <laughs> and then, um, but just feeling this pull away from it. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was a lot of things that um, started changing the way I... Um, spoke to people um, um, being so angry dealing with um, lust um, and just started to 
um, and still to this day, Spirit, um, God graciously working on my heart still. Um, but yeah, a lot of that um, old mm-hmm. habits are starting to change. So, so, um, so what gives you confidence in um, first of all that there there is a God and that um, the biblical God is the faithful you know, uh, representation of him. Awesome. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, and I'm sure, uh, like a bunch of my friends will probably start cracking up the moment you started saying that. Cause I just been having conversations like this re- recently, um, that as a Christian, we can have, um, confidence. Um, one, because just of the conversation we just had and the question that's asked, um, I always say, and the Bible's pretty clear on this and I'll jump to the scripture in a second, but, um, if there wasn't God, we wouldn't be able to prove anything. So the the ultimate proof for the existence of God is that without Him, we couldn't prove anything. And that's the main thing I always start out when talking to um, anybody who claims atheist or agnostic. Uh, right off the bat, I always say, well, how, tell me something you know and how you know it. And eventually it's going to come down to, um, well, I know this because I see this. So they're relying on their um, senses and reasoning. Mm-hmm. And so then it's asked, okay, well, um, do you believe there's people with invalid senses and reasoning? And most of the time, the, everybody will agree, um, and or they'll point at me and say, yeah, you're one of them. Uh, and then I say, okay, and can you tell me how you know your senses and reasoning are valid to begin with? And that's when it gets a little, they can't, because it's pretty much impossible. They have to put their faith, confidence, or trust, because the three words that they try to separate, but they all mean the same thing. Um... In that, that there are senses and reasons, so it's their presupposition, their pre-belief. So their pre-belief is, I can already think um, and reason rationally and trust my senses without having proof of that. For the Christian worldview, is that our um, presupposition, our pre-belief is that God exists, therefore we can know this and that. And God makes it clear in his word, so going about the, um, and how we know it's a biblical God, is right off in... Proverbs um, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, "For the, be- uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So it's, um, if you, and I've read through um, the Quran, and I'll probably end up doing that again later on. Um, the Book of Mormon, the Jehovah Witnesses Bible, um, Buddhist scriptures, and I believe in, unless I miss it, but I'm pretty certain that the biblical God, the God of the Bible, the Christian Bible, um, is the only one that calls for the presuppositions that without him, you, we wouldn't have knowledge, because he said he is um, the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So without him, we wouldn't be able to have knowledge and wisdom. So my first question is always, where are you getting that knowledge and wisdom from? So that's how I'm certain that God exists, because... Without him, I wouldn't be able to even understand the question that you were saying, make sense of anything. Okay, so I guess kind of what you <laughs> that, mean, That's a long explanation. <laughs> so, um, like everybody is coming from somewhere and having confidence in something, so some people are placing their confidence in their senses, what they can see, touch, smell, and stuff like that, and a reasoning through that and I guess basically what you're saying is um, that um, 
you know, why, uh, what's your grounds for having confidence in, in that? Is it kind of it? Or? Uh, yeah. Um, and then the other belief is that, um, as my shirt that I'm wearing says, um, that everybody knows God exists. So in Romans 1, uh, down by 19 through 20, um, it says that uh, for the, all they knew God. So the Bible makes the claim that everybody knows God exists. Um, and so knowing that going in automatically, we all know that God exists, and that's why we live the way we do. Because an atheist and agnostic life will be a contradiction of itself. And most of, the, and a lot of atheism, from what I've been seeing, um, and a lot of the leading atheists like Neil Tyson and stuff, um, they're actually going, moving more toward an agnostic view, anyways, of just uncertainty. Um, which is funny because they'll be like, "We are certain that we are not certain." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." Um, certain that we cannot know or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. And then um, the main thing that I hear is, well, we don't know that. And I'm like, or we can't know that. I'm like, okay, well, do you know that? And they're like, well, the only thing I know is that I, um, that we don't know ever, uh, anything. And I'm like, okay, well, do you know that? Because that would be two things. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, so that's just the belief is, um, especially when me, I'm going into a debate or just a conversation with an atheist or agnostic is, um, and some or somebody asks, how do you know God exists? Well, the same way you do is the pretty much the same thing. We all know God exists. We all, and that's where we're coming from. So it's like if somebody were to say, if I were to tell you right now, um, I don't believe words exist. Well, I just use words to make that. It just you'd look at me like I'm crazy. And so it's kind of that same thing in mind. Is when I hear that when I hear um, a human being made in the image of God say. Um, I don't believe God exists. It's, I just kind of have that like inward chuckle. I try not to do an outward chuckle because I don't want to, you know, upset them. I'm trying not to be a jerk, but just inwardly, I'm just thinking like, and because I know that's how I was. Um, but yeah, so pretty much the belief um, is that without God, we wouldn't be able to prove anything. We'd just be stuck with absurdity. Um, that's why I'm certain because I'm able to understand your question. I'm able to um, use knowledge and thought. Um, and then, yeah, so the belief that um, everybody else who does not hold to the Christian worldview um, and the Bible as the standard for, uh, like a standard of authority, um, they're going to be stuck with um, absurdities and contradictions, and mainly because they know God exists. So they actually will use the Christian worldview to um, attack the Christian worldview. Right. So. Um. Now, concerning Romans 1, these, these are some thoughts I've kind of had about it recently that I, I wonder if um, the, the point um, Paul is making is, that, is about idolatry, rather the existence of God or not. Like, if it seems like he's in a, a world where uh, people basically believe in a God of some type or another, and He's um, and it's just assumed that um, there is a spiritual realm, and there's God or gods or whatever. But he's saying, um, you know, you're making, you're trying to make him like a, a creature, when um, it should be obvious um, by you know everything you see around you that he's a god of eternal power, and he's um, he's not like something that you can form with your hands. And um, so I was just thinking that this the issue might not be so much like atheism or theism, but rather like regarding God in the, the proper way 
or disregarding that for idols made like creaturely things. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, so you can see that the idol thing is also in there because they they take the um, a set of they worshiping the creator. They worship the created. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have to correct me if I move away from the mic. Okay. Um, so yeah. So the idol thing is there because uh, because it goes on to say um, for a set of worshiping the um, they worship the created instead of the creator. Um, but the main thing that I'm looking at is verse 21 for where it says for although they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So it's instead of giving thanks to the God that they knew, instead of giving honor to them, because if they didn't know it, or if they were talking about some other form of um, um, Moloch or some other uh, thing that they wanted to worship, um, they did not honor him as God. So that they knew, because that they had a wrong image of God to begin with, and they're talking about Moloch, um, verse 21 would wouldn't make much sense to me. For although they knew Moloch as God, they didn't honor him or give him thanks. Why would that be a problem, you know? Uh, that wouldn't be the main issue right there. But Paul puts it there. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So instead of giving honor to the God that they know exists, we turn our attention away, and we worship the created instead, and we want to create things. Because in our inward... Um, start of man um, that we're born into um, I can't I totally just lost my phone in there um, where we want to already become as we're born into sin as we're born into iniquity because of the fall of Adam we already start off with a, a want to rebel against God and it's the God that we know so then even in um, Ephesians 1 where it starts talking or Ephesians 2 where it says um, you were once children of the, um, the god of the world of Satan, the power prince of the air um, that's the side that we're on so there's n not really a middle ground so right off the bat we already, we already start in a rebellion against God, and instead of honoring him and worshiping him as we ought to as we know because um, as it says in verse 19 for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his, vis in, for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that we are without excuse. So just like us talking, there's already um, shows that we know God exists. So we see the creation of the world, and we use the world, but um, a lot of times we'll use it in the way that, um, as God has written on our hearts, that we have a sense of why we also abuse it. We'll also use God's logic and sense of how he created things um, to try to, um, to make our idols. But then that's when it goes on. Um, for although that they knew God and they were darkened, their hearts became full. Their hearts were um, were darkened. Their thought thinking became foolish, um, and it becomes like that. Um, Psalm fourteen verse one: "For the fool says there is no God." We don't consider somebody a fool. Um, if I were with your, uh, let's say you were drinking tea, and then um, you didn't know anything about tea, and you had the um, like the tea bag, and you were and you were like, okay, what do I do with this? And you start trying to uh, open it, and you were gonna dump it in. I'm like, no, no, you put the bag in. You would think that's weird, you know. Mm -hmm. And but would that make you a fool? No, because you didn't know. Um, but if you did know better, and you just threw it in there, because then we'd say, well, that was foolish, mm -hmm. because you knew better. 
So then that kind of goes along with too on that song where God says the fool says that there is no God. Um, Jesus' ministry never tries, um, not wants to try and prove that God exists. His <laughs> arguments are always from you know, <laughs> yeah. and he then proves that they know, um, yeah. and then goes to the heart of the issue of it all. So that's, sorry, that's my long <laughs> response for okay. that. Right. Um, what's the biblical, biblical God like? Oh my goodness, the, what is the biblical God like? Loving and merciful. Okay. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So, um, when it comes to like Old Testament um, things of, um, I don't know, like the, let's see, mm-hmm. like going in and conquering Canaan. Yeah. Um, you know, women and children yeah, and so forth. So, um, how does uh, that fit in, um, you know, with uh, your description of the gift of God? Yeah. Um, so, like what I was saying earlier, that right off the bat, as we are, bo- we are born into sin and iniquity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we are already, at the start, in our own hearts, rebels against God. Um, so, therefore, God is um, the only one who does what is good, right, and perfect. And so he gets to be the judge. The moment we, uh, so if he says, hey, this place is, he's perfectly right in doing so. And the, we wouldn't be able to question him on that because then we just created a different standard. So the moment we try to hold God to a standard, um, he is no longer the standard. And we're using something else as the standard against God, which then that standard becomes, that standard that we're trying to use against God becomes our God. So stealing isn't wrong because it's wrong. It's because God is not a thief. So his character is our standard. So whatever he does is good, right, and perfect. But there is like a moral um, witness in our hearts Absolutely. of what is right and wrong. And Which display God's character. Yeah, that displays God's character. But if there's not a correspondence between um, God and that moral witness, then that's like, that's a problem. Right. Um, that would be a problem, but then um, it's still the standard of trying to hold God to, which we put ourselves in the judge seat, um, which we we can't do. Like, how are we to judge the judge when we're not even in that position too? Um, that's just wrong. <laughs> it's like somebody who's sitting in the, um, the, in, at the courthouse and they're trying to say, I like go after the judge. It's like, you're not in the position to do that. But um, like if you standard, had, the, yeah. if you had the laws in front of you and say, judge, you're not following this or that. Right. You know. Um, but the laws that are in front of us are God. So God, we see that by God. So right. Just like God is, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. Because that's his character. The moment right. that God were to contradict his character, nothing would exist. God wouldn't even exist in that. Because he is that perfect um, being. And so he would destroy his own character, which he would destroy, pretty much destroy himself in that. Because he would be end up being a liar. Which then, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross would be insufficient. And we would all be doomed to a hell. But even then, it shows contradictory in God. Which would then not make him a super being or perfect. So then it just starts crumbling down from there. So it's our standard. It will always be from God's character. So like him talking about stuff in the Bible and giving us that the morality, um, it's just showing himself in that. 
So when he says do not murder, it's because God's not a murderer. So it's yeah. not a, here, hold me to this standard, and I have to follow this too. It's That's what he is, just like when it says God is love. Mm-hmm. So when we need a standard of what love is, we look at what God did. We don't look and say, is God being lovely? Let's look at the standard. Because when we go, let's look at the standard, we're essentially looking at God. So then whatever God does, we'd be stuck as the standard. The moment we try to move away, that becomes the standard. But this, but this, you're saying when we're looking at the standard, we're looking at God. Yes. But looking at God here and looking at God on the pages of Scripture, they, you know, if, there's, if they're not corresponding, we have to work through that somehow. We gotta, you know, it's a problem for us to solve. Because right. But how would you be able to see that? Because you said we're looking at God to look at God. Do you see that what, um, from what you're saying? But we have to, we'd be a sense of looking at God to look at God. You wouldn't be able to find it because God is the standard. She's good for who is good, right, and perfect. So when you say we're looking at God to look at God, yeah. <laughs> so therefore, everything that we see in the Old Testament, if we're looking at by, um, through what, as what God does and as God being perfect and right as our standard, we won't even have a problem and we won't even have a problem with the bigger stuff just like what you're saying like him telling the Israelites to attack a nation well let's go back to the flood <laughs> you know I mean no in the yeah. flood over people say um, millions of people and that's mm-hmm. also women children um, men women children there too mm-hmm. even in a larger sense but mm-hmm. even then God was still the same as he was as we see Jesus in the New Testament standing there because mm-hmm. Jesus is God um, and and Jude, it also talks about Jesus being in uh, the situation in Exodus and Egypt. So that means Jesus, full approval with the Father, with the Spirit, on what was taking place in there. And so looking at that, God as our standard to judge God, it just, it's just, you know, I you see what I mean? It's, we're looking at God to look at God. Well, what are you going to find, God? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is um, that... You know, there's a moral uh, witness that we have. Paul says the laws are written on our hearts. And um, so when we look at God's character in the Bible and events and stuff like that, um, it it sounds almost like you're you're saying, um, you know, that not to question anything there because, um, because that's God. And if there's a difference in like that moral witness that we have, like the law written on our heart, and what we see maybe God doing, um, then um, even though there seems there there may seem to be a discrepancy, um, are you saying like it's not the um, it's not the um, when you're saying like you're how it's not. Um, that we, that we're not to question God. It's how can we? Because then the moment, because we start taking a different standard to try and do that, which will eventually contradict itself. So that's what I'm saying. It's not that we, um, it's that you shouldn't question God. Um, it's how can you? Because the very standard that you're using, if you're a Christian, you're going to be using God as your standard. So which doesn't make sense to say oh, I'm going to use God to question God. Well. You're just going to see what he does. And if you believe God is good, right, and perfect, then everything he does will be good, right, and perfect. The moment you take away from that, you have a different standard. And it's no longer God as the standard. So it's not me saying um, that you shouldn't question. It's how can you if God is your standard. So the only way to do that is to go outside of God. And then you end up going into um, 
whatever else is out there. I mean, Mormonism, atheism, etc. Uh, so, so does that make sense? So it's not saying that you shouldn't question God. It's how can you if God is your standard? You would have to go from a different worldview. Yeah, I guess I'm referring to like the law written on our hearts. Right, but what is the law? Well, I'm, what I'm referring to is that moral witness that we have that Absolutely. there's these things that are right and there's these things that are wrong. Right, which come from... They come from God. Yes. And how did they come from God? He, uh, that's how he created us. He gave it to us. Right. Um, based off of himself. Right. That's right. So then, once again, it comes back to God as the standard. So he gave us the law, and the law is a display of himself. So the law reflects, um, once again, shows us God's existence. It shows us his character and the wonderfulness of him and his beauty. Um, so it's essentially him giving us a law is showing us himself and pointing us back to him. Yeah. So then that's the way that we, once again, get to see God more. We get to know about him more right. and see how he is. And it's not something that we can hold to God because the law in a, is, is God in a sense because it is, um, it is his character and his, um, his own nature that he put down for us. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, so we have it. We have a sense of it. Yes, because we have a sense of God. Everyone does. Right. So then, when I see something like the flood, for example, yeah. I have to work it out because because that moral witness is telling me, you know, on one hand, um, it's not right just to indiscriminately um, wipe out innocent people like um, children and women and men and so forth. So then I have to think, well, so then I have a problem on my hands because there's this thing here that says this, and then there's the story that says this. So I have to kind of think, reason through that, how can God do that and it be righteous? Right. So what is the standard that you're going to use to determine that? Um, <laughs> That's what I, it comes down to. So in the moment that you said, and you said, I look at the flood, and I had the, um, um, man, I can't remember the word you just used, um, this um, moral sense yeah. um, of trying to determine, okay, well, that's, that's what it is. It's, is God the standard or not? Because the moment you have God as the standard, then you see that he is perfect and rightly and the, and the rightful judge to do that. And you see our standing because God speaks of who we are, the position that we are in. So then it shows that he is right to do so. Um, now, to question that, you're, like you said, you're going to go through this struggle on what to do. And it's just like with Satan, the same thing that Eve had in the garden. Um, the first thing that Satan, um, and he does this to all of us in every situation, um, did God really say that? You know, Satan, the first thing that Satan does um, in the form of serpent with Eve is he wants her to question God's word. So let's question who God is. Is he being truthful? So it's the same thing that we go through. When we look at something in the Bible and we don't like it, um, or we're like, man, that seems really cruel. And I'm, just, I'm thinking of all the times that I've looked in that where I threw my Bible. Um, because even in um, Exodus uh, chapter 4, I think verse 24, um, so God tells Moses the whole plan. He said, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. And he goes, okay, now, you know, here you go. So Moses is on the road. Um, I think it's called at the lodging place. 
And it says, and at the lodging place, the Lord met him to put him to death. <laughs> I was sitting there first time reading it, going, I'm out. What? You just told him, God, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. um, and you'll see stuff like that all the time. But then once again, learning God's character and God's nature. Because even, um, oh man, I can't remember the guy's name. But in um, Kings, when they're moving back, or not Kings, um, um, Second Samuel. Um, when they're moving back the Ark of the Covenant on a crate, even mm -hmm. though that's not what they're supposed to do. And the man reaches out and tries to stop the ark, the beautiful, like, you know, the thing that, that represents for God's covenant is people. And he doesn't want it to fall on the dirt. I mean, he reaches out and touches it. And God puts him to death. I'm sitting there going, you know, like, God, that's, he was trying to do something good. But it's um, my lack of knowing and understanding that, um, of where we are as um, rebels against God, that we believe, even for a second, that we're more clean than the dirt. And that's the reality of seeing of how God, um, once again, of how what God says the position that we're in and where he is in. He is holy, holy, holy. Um, and so that's what it comes down to is what did God say? Then God is the standard. Going off of how to, because um, any other time that we're going to look at, like you said, when we're looking at the flood, when we're looking at that, our moral self, and it's once again because we're all, um, we still have that tainted with sin. We Like I said, when we become a Christian, um, we're not boom perfect right off the bat and we're being sanctified by God's spirit and um, there's still that old flesh that's, uh, that's on us that wants to pull us away wants to fight with us what's making war with us every second um, and is wanting us to question God so instead of using God as a thing when we see something we don't like um, we're stuck because in a, a logical sense uh, God is the standard so what are we going to say at the end how can we judge him um, we just say the, like thus says the Lord um, but in our rebel sense we want to look for any way that we can to rebel to point the finger to um, judge the judge and we want to put ourselves in the judge seat to be able to do that and so that's when we start searching for other things and that's when we um, turn to the uh, for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in our thinking. The moment we start looking away and looking for a different, um, like a moral sanity that we can hold God to, um, that's when we start becoming futile in our thinking and foolish in our hearts because we start acting like the, the person who says, um, I don't believe in words while using words. So the very thing that's giving us life, breath, meaning, and our, to be able to use um, logic and reasoning and knowledge, because it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and reason. Um, and instead of being thankful to the Creator for doing that, we use that to try and find something wrong with what He's doing to hold Him to. And um, from what I've learned and what I always say to that is, <laughs> Godspeed, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, because it's... It's going to be a, um, an impossible task for somebody to do that because um, if God is the standard, God is the standard. He is or he isn't. And, uh, and what we learn as Christians as we're growing and maturing is that it's a wonderful thing. And it's not like something to where it's how dare you question God. It's um, how can you. Mm -hmm. So that's the main point. Yeah, I guess like, you know, kind of going back to that situation that I was describing, like what I do with it is I try to um, think 
why is there a discrepancy? It could be because, um, uh, you know, th- he's what well, one th- way I would answer that, like the flood, is like uh, it would have been worse if he would have not done it, you know, because of the the evil in the world. Um, another thing would be, um, well, and he's preserving a people. Um, another thing might be like, uh, you know, my own um, moral sense um, might be affected, you know, uh, by sin, by uh, a man-centeredness rather than a God-centeredness. And I'm just not seeing things clearly. But um, But somehow... They have to kind of correspond, you know. Right. So right off the bat, um, your presupposition, um, when you looked at that, you said, um, now why is there a discrepancy here? Mm-hmm. Um, so off the bat, there's already that push mm-hmm. um, that you would believe that there's a discrepancy. Because now me going through the flood, I don't see a problem there. Um, I see it perfectly coexisting with how God has been um, from the beginning and in the end. Any. Why see a discrepancy as in like a problem um, in like the, the moral sense I have might not line up with this. So there's a problem with my moral sense yeah. or my understanding or there's a problem with how I'm understanding what's going on in the narrative. Right. That, and there, I get what you're saying. And there needs to be some kind of reconciliation. Yeah. So then um, once again, that goes back to um, as God is your standard. Um, if God isn't perfect and God isn't good, then so that's on that moral um, is what are you who are you going to trust? Are we going to try and rely on our own senses and reasoning, or are we going to lie what what God says? Because at the end of the day, that's what it will always come down to with any issue we have with um, the Word of God. Um, will end up being a trust. Um, it will be end up being a um, God issue, like our lack of trust in God. And that's what every issue will always come down to with um, all the debates that I've had. Um, it's always will come down to a problem with God. Because at the end of the day, if you see God as the rightful judge and good, right, and perfect, um, how, how we, can't, we don't see anything wrong with the flood. We see it all wrong with the human beings who re- rebelled against God. And we see the sadness, and, and so does God, because we see later on he uh, takes no delight. Um, and destruction that, but he's also holy, holy, holy. And he does what is good, right, and perfect, so... If he wanted to, he can take me out at any time, and he'd be... And I wouldn't be able to question it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that, that doesn't... Now, I'm not walking around like, it woe is me, like, oh, man, God can just take me out? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the love that he's shown. And then, even for the, the unbelievers, God says that, you know, pretty much every day that um, they're alive, breathing, and walking is a chance for repentance. So this guy giving a chance for repentance. So it's, you just see mercy throughout the whole Bible. Because even Adam and Eve right up the garden, um, where God says, uh, he eat this, you'll surely die. And instead of just putting him to death right there, and he would have been good, right, and perfect to do so. Um, going along with his word, he shows them mercy, and instead close them, uh, and then sets them out of the garden. And so he doesn't just put them down right then and there. He, he ends up giving them a promise, too, right, uh, right in the, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, he says, I'll put enmity between, and he starts, already there's a promise for a savior. As he's addressing um, Satan. And he says, um, you will strike his heel, but 
he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and you will sh um, bite his heel, but he will um, crush your head. And so you already see the promise of the Savior to come in. And that's right off, already um, are these creatures that God created from, you know, dust, and they already rebelled against him. <laughs> the king, the person who does everything good, right, perfect. And um, instead of just, you know, putting them down right there, and he could have, uh, he didn't. He instead um, says, I'm going to give you guys a savior, which is himself again. Mm -hmm. So instead of him being the good, the, um, in a sense of just wiping them out, he says, I'm going to save you guys. And so that's just mercy driven um, throughout. And in the sense, uh, just own personal belief too when it comes down to um, the, we don't know exactly who is um, going to heaven and who is not. So even people in the flood, um, there could be people who are, um, that were destroyed by the flood who are sitting at, um, in heaven in front of, you know, seeing the Lord sitting on high. And I, I'm certain that going by what God says, that none of them is saying we were wronged. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's the same thing. So that's just, uh, when we start talking about, well, do we have a moral? And then I went that, it's, it's the same question every time. By what standard are you going to try and judge God? And what does God say if he's your standard? So, um, people um, pre-flood being in heaven now, like how, um, so how does that work out in <laughs> I your... I you are going to say that. Everybody <laughs> said that. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I always try to avoid, um, so I have, so like in my list of reading and stuff like that, and, and I know if a bunch of my friends that are listening, that uh, will listen to this, will start cracking up. Because uh, I was just talking to Adrian the other day at church, and I was like, I have not, um, and I asked him the same question. I said, I said, so have you really looked into any end time stuff or anything like that? And I said, are you kind of like me? Because I have a list of things that I'm studying and trying to create a list of what I believe every Christian should um, study. And um, everything I study right now, I'm finally getting into, um, and I've read a little bit of church history stuff here and there, but now I'm actually going into and diving into deeply and studying uh, church history. Hmm. Um, and then the next thing after that was going to be um, end time stuff. <laughs> So it's like the last on my list that I'm like, I think I'm even going to look into like the baptism debate between like Baptists and Presbyterians before end time stuff. Because mm -hmm. that's just something that I'm like, ugh. Like I enjoy, like I'm excited and I want to, but I just know that it's just um, just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So then going to of just what I believe as of right now of people, I believe that it is um, a waiting place. So just like the people, because um, we are saved the same way that the people um, were um, at the time of the flood, that you have to be born again to enter. Um, what, what's the waiting place? Hades or? Uh, yeah, so so it'd be like a because in um, Revelations twenty one it says I will create a uh, new heaven and new earth. Um, so obviously that to me that tells us that there's going to be a new heaven. So I assume right now that everybody's taken away, um, just like what Jesus said to the person on the cross, you'll be with me in paradise, that they're in a um, uh, heaven with God um, waiting. And like then, everybody? Uh, not everybody. Okay. So then there's also people, so that would be the, um, so it talks about hell in um, Revela Revelation 21, verse 8. Um, it talks about all liars, all thieves will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. 
Um, so I believe everybody's waiting um, in a, and I guess that would be Hades for the waiting place for um, the people that are in a, uh, hell. So that's just my belief right right at this moment, um, is that there is a, um, I guess a first, you can say, because he said he's going to create a new and a second death. Um, so right now people are in a waiting place in hell and people are in a waiting place in heaven to watch for the new creation of it. So like hell, which I'm sure you know, is like a, a translation of um, Geneva, uh, uh, the place outside of the city. It's a, a place name for what, outside the city of Jerusalem where they would um, uh, take... Uh, trash and stuff and it had a history of like yeah s- uh, pagan stuff and sacrilege and stuff and um so it's almost like um a metaphor kind of like wrath is the way i kind of think of it um and so um i kind of see that as like uh like hades the, the place of the dead kind of uh, you know, a different type of concept uh, altogether, I, I guess, or shield, the Old Testament form of, you know, mm-hmm. word for it. Um, but, um, but as far as like, you know, people who are there in this mm-hmm. realm of the dead, um, there's like this mention in First Peter that you're, I'm sure you're familiar with of um, Jesus... Um, uh, proclaiming um, the good news to those who are in the. Right. I was just reading about that too because I started. I just started a book. Um, oh man, I can't remember who it's by. Um, and I'm gonna look real quick. Adam just got me on this new app, which I love. Um, it's Goodreads, and it keeps track of all the books I read <laughs> stuff because mm-hmm. I didn't even know. Um, so I'll be finishing my like 120 book um, by the end of this year too, Lord willing. Um, so the book that I just started reading today, um, it's called Know the Creeds and Councils um, by Justin Holcomb. Um, but that's what they were just talking about because in the Apostles' Creed, uh, it talks about Jesus ascending into uh, right. um, Hades and that's what they were just talking about in there. Um I don't think I have anything to say on that one because, like I said, I didn't study it. I didn't like I, yeah. I didn't learn for stuff like that. Um, I do believe that there, from what I see now um, in scripture, I do see an awaiting place for the final judgment, and I see people in a um, in Hades as a like a hell, and then I see people in a um, like at the right hand uh, or not at the right hand. Um, I was thinking of Abraham seated like next to Abraham in the parable that Jesus gives and Luke. Right. But you see people sitting there. So I do see two awaiting places. Um, in Revelations, you also see people like calling out, um, uh, waiting for, like, how long till, how long are we waiting here? Mm-hmm. Um, so you do see a lot of, like, waiting for the final judgment to come. And then um, it also says it'll pull everybody um all over for the final judgment and then um, in Revelation 21 you see that kind of um, set out with the creating with the creation of new heaven and new earth um, yeah so that's kind of my thing is I believe that there's kind of this um, eternal um, waiting um, places 
um, for the final judgment to where God then creates uh, everything anew. Um, so besides reading the Bible, you're quite a reader, and um, do you listen to things too, anyone you listen to? and um, so uh, the last time we talked about it, I was, you told me, you're like, hey, I have a podcast, and yeah, um, you gave me your card and stuff. I was like, oh, man, because uh, like, I think what, if um, the conversation, what we were talking about is, um, I'm like, I don't normally have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and stuff, because um, reading the Bible, um, especially if you're trying to do it in a month, it takes up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they said that the average, um, which kind of gave me the idea um, for reading it, um, is if you spend for an average reader, I don't know if I'm an average reader or not. Um, but they said if you spend four hours a day reading the Bible, that you can do it um, in a month. Um, and then I also try to read other books too, and especially if there's something coming up. Like if you would have um, said, "Hey, there's a topic on. Uh, we're gonna have a topic today on our people. Where are people at now on hell?" And then, then I probably would have grabbed a bunch of books and read them all beforehand. I'm mm-hmm. um, on there just to. Um, because I guess I'm an apologist at heart, and that's what you're supposed to do. It's just try to learn every side to every situation, all the rebuttals and all the arguments there. Um, so with all the reading in there. Um, podcasts that I do listen to, and it's funny because I was just thinking about this too the other day, a couple of days ago. And I finally had time to where I'm... Because uh, I do a lot of work too, because um, I have uh, a side note. Um, I love animals. And so I have a lot of pets um, that me and my wife started taking in as rescues. So we have like 10 turtles. I think we have more than that now because wow. somebody just gave. Um, too many fish. Um, a few lizards. Three snakes. Uh, three dogs. And all of them were all, um, I think, except for like four pets, um, everything was um, rescued. So it's like somebody was like, I'm going to put down this dog because I can't keep him anymore on my farm because he's, I don't know, chasing cows or whatever. And so we were like, okay, we'll take him. Um, somebody's um, husband passed away and then she was moving and where she was going, she couldn't take our one dog, so we took him. Um, same thing for our uh, Alaska Malamute. Um, somebody had her in a trailer and they're like, um, she can't be in here. So then they we took her. And the same thing for even some of the fish we have. We have like three Oscar fish, and somebody, um, and we know some people that at like the Petco stores, um, to where somebody brings in something that they don't want, they'll like surrender it to Petco, and then um, Petco will um, kind of, because uh, I know the manager, they'll hit me up and they'll say, "Hey, we have this. Um, we can sell it to you for like some really tre- cheap price. Like we'll sell it to you for this." I'm like, okay. <laughs> So then I'll go and I'll get it if we have room for it. Because I just recently built a um, 50-foot stream um, in front of my house. So you actually have to um, go across a bridge to get to my house, uh, to the front door, which is kind of funny. Here's a picture of it. I know everybody on your podcast doesn't get to see it, but... Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have to cross. So that's how crazy I am. So you have to cross a bridge to get there, there and that holds a lot of our fish, turtles, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so especially with all that, um, so since it's kind of, so during the summer, everything's kind of busy because I'm, I have a lot of stuff in the house and I'm trying to create a big giant greenhouse too, um, which will be, um, about, uh, half our house length and our house is like, I don't know, like 60 feet long. 
Um, so I'm creating a huge greenhouse to hold a lot of the creatures because we have tortoises too and stuff. Then a lot of them can't be outside um, during the winter because they'll just die. So we have to. So our basement gets pretty crowded during the winter time. So it's like for five or six months they'll be inside. Uh, maybe less than that, five or um, they'll be inside. And then during the summer I move them all out and try to get them that good sunlight because a lot of creatures they need that actual sunlight to help them grow and to actually even digest their food. Um, so I spend a lot of time doing that, and the, it'll get to the point eventually. <laughs> um, so then I finally, because everything's starting to um, wind down, um, I actually had time to listen to um, some podcasts. So I was like, okay. I was like, and I was just thinking of our conversation. Where I'm like, I don't have time to listen to podcasts. So I'm like, okay, I actually have time. I was like, what am I going to listen to? So because I knew I was going to be meeting with you, um, I listened to one of yours. Um, you were interviewing... Um, three teens i believe and they were uh, talking about like learning languages oh okay yeah that's that was like i right. think like a year or two years ago right, or a year yeah. ago yeah mm-hmm. uh, so that was really very interesting and i enjoyed that okay because uh, i too i'm trying to learn the language i'm trying to learn the original um uh greek language the Kone greek for the new testament and then i plan to eventually go into hebrew um latin aramaic um, and so on. And my wife is learning Spanish. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah. So I thought it was interesting listening to that. Um, and then the other one was the Dividing Line um, by James White that okay. I finally got to listen to. So that was nice. Um, we kind of got off track as far as like the pre. Uh, <laughs> I'll do that. Pre- you have to keep me on track. <laughs> Pre-flood people. So even <laughs> though they were destroyed by God in a flood, yeah. you believe that. It's like an open question. Perhaps some of them um, may be a part of God's salvation, even though temporally they were experienced his wrath. Is that kind of yeah. what, what you're saying? I mean, even, um, yeah, experience his wrath and, and flood. I mean, even there's um, believers um, who we'd probably assume is um, in heaven, and they might have experienced um, horrible ways to die. Um, even the martyrs, I mean, look at them. Um, but even though, so what I'm pretty much getting at is even though, um, some people experience, um, in a sense, God's wrath, um, they still might, some of them might be, um, dwelling with him. Because even Moses, um, and I always think of that because of this. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, you probably know where I'm going to go, Deuteronomy. Um, so it's, they're at the border of the promised land of what God promised um, the Israelites, and he tells Moses that he's not to enter. Mm-hmm. My first time ever reading this, I was just bawling my eyes out hmm. because I was like, "He stayed with, and he didn't build the golden calf, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna leave him there." Um, and all he did was strike a rock twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's all he did. Um, and. Moses asked, and he's like, hey, he's like, and so God allowed him to, even mercy to allow him to go to stand uh, up to even view into it, um, but he didn't allow him to enter. Now, because he didn't allow him to enter the promised land, um, quote, promised land um, here on this earth, uh, does that mean that Moses what uh, didn't get to experience the better promised land? I would say no. Mm-hmm. I'd say he got to, like, that he, he did get to experience the promised land, the greater promised land with Jesus. Um, and the Father and the Spirit. Um, so because sometimes we don't get, or sometimes we see um, God's punishment carried out on us, um, or now on people now, doesn't mean that it's done for them forever. 
because mm-hmm. you'll see stuff like that. Like he carries out a punishment on Moses. Boom. You're not entering the promised land. You're done. Um, but he's looked upon favorably in Hebrews. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that gives me the kind of the, the, um, the thought of that. Cause yeah. like you were just saying and talked about in Hebrews, um, he still talked about it in there. And even though he didn't make the promised land, um, there. So right. Pre flood people. Um, it, it is said that, um, there was none righteous or only, um, well, Noah was righteous and he found favor with God. Yeah. So that kind of puts everyone else in a different category. But there is the, that kind of strange passage in First Peter that I mentioned about Jesus, you know, proclaiming mm-hmm. the, the gospel to those who are dead. So anyway, it is kind of like an open question for me too, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. That's, and this is stuff I think about too, is because Noah was considered righteous. Um, this person is considered righteous and um, like Lot when mm-hmm. um, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Um, so yeah, so that's just my thought on there. Like I was saying, um, and I, and that's why I'm like kind of open. Right when you, right when I said that, you're going there. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I don't have much to say on that topic. I'm just kind of open. So that's just my own personal thoughts. Is hey, it could be, um, but I guess someday we'll know. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a set. Maybe if I learn end time stuff, then I'll have a set and I'll come back next and be like, oh yeah, here's my answer. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, where are you at now when you're reading the scriptures? What part? Um, I just finished um, Leviticus the other day. Um, and now I am um, in Numbers chapter um, 12. So, I started over again and I'm going through. Are you familiar with John Walton, Old Testament scholar? I, uh, it sounds familiar. I'm not sure. He's really good. He's from Wheaton. And, um, he, his specialty is like on the literature of the neighboring people in the time when Genesis was written. So like the people that first received Genesis they had a framework they were receiving it in. You know, they had a worldview. They had, like, um, they were familiar with uh, their neighboring gods and their mm-hmm. literature and stuff like that. So his thing is knowing that helps us to understand the point the author was making concerning Genesis because he wasn't sp- speaking into a vacuum. He was speaking in response to this God or that God and, and, and things along those lines. And it, But anyway, um, that's kind of just a by the way. But um, what's your general impression um, just from where you're at right now? Uh, you know, what... Uh, anything that's just been on your mind in just a broad way of like, what's this impressing upon you about what God is like or what the kingdom of God is like or his narrative throughout the, the ages or anything like that? Um, so my impression of what God is like and what's um, going to be like <laughs> a wonderful place where I, I sin no more. Um, I don't re- um, try to rebel against God anymore and um, I can actually um, love him without the taint, uh, taintedness of sin 
Um, that just sounds like a wonderful and joyous thing. And to be able to see and experience him fully, because as Paul says, we look dimly, um, but then we will see him full. And so I look forward to that. My impression right now is um, uh, just, a, I don't know, a big worship service to God <laughs> for heaven. Um, God's like now love um, that's the only thing I can ever um, be able to say about him because of just my own personal testimony um, is uh, I deserve to be like the people in the flood and to get flooded out um, but God has shown mercy on me um, and allowed me to be able to um, read to allow me to um, make sense of the scriptures and to read the books and to be able to have the time to do that so I'm just grateful and then now, um, the kind of the point where I am now um, is I want to, um, I guess it kind of follows, you're just making me think of stuff in the past, um, from like talking about like first conversion of where I realized what the Spirit was doing. Um, the other thing that I prayed was while I was praying that God helped me read the Bible and stuff, it was help me to be able to um, teach and help people understand. And so I've been kind of being able to do that this year with a, um, a group of um, uh, friends. And so that's been really awesome because uh, I spent many nights staying up all night long reading, trying to find an answer for something, weeping, crying, because I just don't understand. Uh, so being able to help, uh, which I am grateful for. Um, I always say that, like, I'm grateful for it um, now. At the time, I'm kind of like, just give me an answer. <laughs> um, but so being able to help the, um, them go through it, because they're, like I said, some of them are reading, and I said, well, here, this might help you get through that. Pay attention to this point, or here's some notes on here. Um, don't worry about reading this book, but read this one, and it'll make that book a lot easier. So it's um, I try to help them to make the, um, their, the le their learning that they're um, – going through, um, try to make it easier for them and more enjoyable um, and not as painful and so that they don't have to stay up all night. <laughs> Some of them, when they say stuff, I said, okay, well, um, you will be staying up uh, all night and forever if you continue to try and work that out with God. So just a heads up. Um, so that's kind of where I am now is I'm just trying to um, help and um, teach and learn more so that I can help others learn. And that's kind of what we were talking about with me and Adam. We're trying to start our, because um, I kind of had this idea. And Adam's, um, Esmeyer's always been really good um, encouragement for me and supportive. Um, he's a good designer anyway, so it's just good to have him on board for that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, for Reform Labs. Um, and that's why I called it Reform Labs, because um, I'm a Reformed Christian. Uh, and just learning... Um, kind of the reformed beliefs of Christianity and um, teaching others it and trying to teach the closest biblical um, of like to the Bible the teaching of the Bible as we possibly can and so I had hit up Adam and I was like hey um, here's my thought I have and I want you to be a part of it and he ordered he like took off and was like let's do this and he designed the page and stuff because he's real um, real techie like that and I'm not um, at all and so he does a lot of that stuff, and he's already writing articles for it and stuff. And I'm like, keep going. And for now, I just kind of do more of um, kind of in the field um, gathering. So I'll like take some of the people that um, are 
I guess it's a weird way of saying like studying under me um, that are like hanging out with me and allowing me to teach them. Um, I'll sometimes take them and say, okay, well, we're going to go out here because I know where all these Jehovah Witnesses hang out. Um, we're going to go and we're going to learn about Jehovah Witness belief and then we're going to engage them and talk to them and debate and learn. Um, and if God, Lord willing, uh, we get to see him change some hearts. Um, so that's what we're, I'm kind of at now is um, trying to get that moving and actually carry out um, the goal and kind of dream I had of wanting to make that a, um, a legit thing to where um, and more involved with it to get um, others to learn and grow more. So right now, do you have much involvement with people who are not Christians, non-believers? Um, how do you interact with them and, and talk with them? And what's that like? <laughs> By wearing my awesome shirts. No. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that says, um, I'm an A-atheist. <laughs> uh, so it makes me automatically a fan favorite of atheists because it pretty much says on there that I don't believe atheists exist. And then my other shirts that talk about, um, God, it says God exists and you know it. Or um, I'll wear like my five-point Calvinist shirts. No. Um, so just I interact with them. Um, I mean... I guess it's kind of normal. And we go, we'll hang out, we'll eat food. Um, so it's people you already have a relationship with. Yeah, so some of them, I'll, I'll talk about the other group that I just meet um, randomly um, or get screamed at randomly. Um, and so some like the, that I consider friends uh, or people that I see all, more often and hang out with. Um, most of the time if you're hanging out with me, you're probably going to hear about Jesus right out like, right off the bat um, and already kind of have that awkward I call it the awkward conversation because it's the one that I always try to avoid and they try to avoid um, and I'm not right off the bat I don't just go up to somebody and be like hi you want to talk about Jesus <laughs> um, but it'll eventually come into that with conversation because we always live our life based on what we um, believe and so even in their own thing and sometimes people will just um, I've had uh, friends just kind of try and I guess I don't know I guess test and they'll just say something just out of the blue and absurd. And they'll be like, well, the Bible says a lot of awful things. And I'm just like, and the moment somebody, anybody makes an open claim like that, I take it as already an invite of, okay, we can have this discussion. So if you're going to make an open claim, then, okay, then that's fine. I'm going to respond. Um, I, it reminds me of like a quote from John Calvin where he says, um, a dog barks when his master's attacked. So I would, how would I be if uh, I hear God's, um, God being attacked and I wouldn't say anything? And I guess if that would probably be um, how I heard that quote is because a couple of friends were like, that's what you remind me of. Um, I'm like, okay. Um, so sometimes I'll hear them say like that and then I'll question them. And same thing like what we talked about earlier. Okay, according to what standard can you make that claim? Um, but then for, and then we'll have that awkward conversation. Most of the time they don't want to, they'll try, some will try to rebuttal and if they don't have anything to say afterwards um, or anything to rebuttal, they'll just kind of like, okay, move on and kind of quiet from that. Um... And they won't, like, try to do that again. Um, but it's not like we it's awkward between us after that. I mean, they've all heard and they know me. Because just like I um, respect them and love them and care about them, despite our differences, um, a lot of time they will show um, the same the same for me. Um, and they'll still hang around. Um, but normally, at least each of my friends will have that conversation at least once. Um and now for people that I don't know, um, that I kind of run into our experience, uh, it's, sometimes it's different where you just get, I've been cussed out in a Starbucks before, uh, 
I was just, I wasn't even talking to anybody. I was just sitting there reading a book, and then somebody came up to me, and they're like, they're like, I think you're an arrogant da 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 da. What shirt did you have on? All right, okay, that's what everybody says. Um, there, that's um, and I didn't have any uh, like of my normal. I didn't own many of those shirts at the time. Um, I just found these, and I'm like, oh, these are cool. Um, but it was just a regular shirt because everybody was. That was the first thing everybody says was, what, "Were you wearing something that was offensive?" I was like, "No, I was just reading a Bible," and I guess that was the offensive thing. I was just reading a Bible in Starbucks. Um, cause I was waiting to meet up with a friend and, um, just came up and was like, da, 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 you're arrogant you don't really, and you don't know anything about any other religions or you haven't read any books. And I was just like, um, I go, well, and I showed him a picture of my bookshelf and I was like, well, I own all these books, the book of Mormon, Quran, this, and I like showed them all and I was like, so do you own any of those books? And he's like, no. And I go, okay, well, have you read the Bible? <laughs> no. And I was like, okay, then by your own standard. Um, and this is kind of like everybody's like, you know, staring at us at this point when somebody <laughs> yells in the middle of a Starbucks. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, then I said, by your own standards, who is the more um, like closed minded and arrogant? And then he's, you know, and then he just is like, well, then maybe I'm a. <laughs> And then just like storms out of Starbucks, and I was like, okay. I was like, I love, like, like I'm praying for you. Um, but I've had that. Um, I've been at um, uh, outside of Planned Parenthood and debated a couple teens um, that are standing out there. Uh, I've had people come up to me because I'm wearing, like I said, I'm wearing the shirts, and I wear the shirts just for conversation starters. Because, um, or sometimes that encourages people. I've actually had um, a lot more people that are just like. Um, was like oh, wow i'm so glad you're wearing that shirt that's very encouraging um then i had people that uh, actually wanted to um who yell stuff or question stuff it's <laughs> very um rare that i have somebody that sees a shirt and they want to um hey let's have a conversation about that um yeah. But yeah so but most of the time engaging people i don't know it's um i try to be as um kind and loving as possible and gentle Mm-hmm. Um, while still um, not swave, uh, swerving from the truth because, or my beliefs of knowing that they know God exists so right off the bat what they're saying is a contradiction of their own belief and to explain that to them um, kind of that um, so when you're saying they know God exists uh, you're not saying they're lying necessarily you're, you're, yeah they're, they're not lying they just um, so, they, so the truth, the reality is they know God exists um, but they deceive themselves into believing that they don't, um, even though they live their lives based on God existing. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and that's what I mean when I'm talking about that is they know they don't know God exists uh, as the way the same way that a um, Christian does because mm-hmm. we know God uh, um, personally. Um, they just they know that God exists in a general sense. Um, they're aware of his the and the one true God. That's the thing to note too. So it's, they don't know that a God exists. It's um, they know the God exists, but they'll suppress that and try to either use that with um, their own idols or come up with something on their own or an atheism. Um, and that's when they start um, futile and they're thinking deceiving themselves. So that's what I mean. Yeah. That. Does that help? Yeah. Awesome. Um, where are you at in church history? So I just started. <laughs> Uh, so I was just finished um, a book about the canon of scripture, um, canon revisited. 
Um, again, I appreciate Adam for giving me this app because I always do that because I've read on here. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that I read like 100 books um, until I added them all on this app, which is awesome. Um, and it was Canon Revisited. I just finished, and that was kind of my introduction into, um, I would say, church history because it talks about um, church history a lot. Um, when you're dealing with the canon, because obviously we're talking about something that was happening in the past. Um, so that's kind of my start of it. And then now I'm reading the book, uh, Know Your Con- uh, the Creeds and Councils and stuff like that. Um, and then I plan on reading uh, just other stuff on church history. Um, other than that, I've read a lot of like the Puritan books. Um, a little bit of, uh, I read John Calvin, um, John Owen, Martin Luther. Um, so I did read kind of older stuff Augustine um, older stuff like that and then now though I'm just looking into the history of church history of um, like the old church fathers and how they lived during those times and a little bit more of the um, I guess it's a bio um, biography um, totally not forgetting the word but more on the um, of those reformers back then and their lives uh, like Martin Luther because I watched that Martin Luther documentary and that's pretty interesting. Uh, so now I'm just wanting to learn more of church history because that's actually extremely helpful when um, dealing with apologetics too, is knowing church history. So that's why I know a little bit that can get me through, but I want to know more to my own um, satisfaction and then be able to um, teach it out too. So that's what kind of where I'm at as I just started. I'm super excited about that. Um, and so. Have you read the writings of the Apostolic Fathers? Alright, it's on my list that, um, but I have, like, are you talking about the, um, oh, the other, uh, it's not the other, not the other gospel books, um. No, um, like, uh, Ignatius. Yes, okay, yeah, okay. I just, so that's, um, so actually, um, uh, I just, I literally just, um, made a, um, a list of all that, um. Okay. Cool. on there of all the names and stuff like that yeah. and different of those old books that I plan on reading too and I want to read all the other like um, um, like NASA Gospels and stuff like the Gospel of um, Peter the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Hebrews and plan on reading all those books too with it, along with that Yeah. Um, so just a lot of reading planned and I'm just mm-hmm. super excited about it because <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like learning about the stuff and mm-hmm. knowing more alright was well, there just anything else you want to bring up to say or to discuss before we just wrap up? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, I'm super grateful that you allowed me to um, come hang out um, here. So, for well, thanks for doing for it. For third ever podcast. Um, <laughs> and um, I hope I'm not too bad. <laughs> no, no, it's been good. Um, have you? Uh, do you want to give out any information about contacting you? Like, you got your your starting podcast, but you don't haven't really started yet yeah so, um, so we just started um so we have reform labs um at gmail.com that you can do if you um that we're kind of give out for if we run into people um and there's not enough time to have a conversation with them we'll say hey you can ask your questions here um and we'll do our best to answer um or that's just a good way to get get a hold of me because i used to um preach and so sometimes people would have me come preach at random churches um, so anything like that, um, or just I guess Facebook, 
you can always find me on Facebook. Um, Kanoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's, a, it's like, uh, I have the level two, and maybe this will be for another topic. Um, so I used to be a drummer in a band. Um, we'd play around the states, um, some of the states, not all of them. But uh, so I have a drummer page that was on there, which is my name, Kanoa Benz. And then, yeah, so just anywhere Facebook. I'm not a, I, I don't think I'm a really hard person to find. People tend to find me. Even okay. people that have had conversations with, like, randomly, then they'll con- message me on there and be like, hey, we talked at this time at this place. And I'm like, I don't remember. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just easy ways to get a hold of me, I guess. And then we have our page on Facebook, too, Reform Labs. So you can always message us on there or me. So, All right. Well, thanks, Kanoa. Thank you. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life. Mm-hmm.